So if you will, turn with me to the book of Psalms, 91, verse 9. Our text tonight, this is going to be the easiest text that you have ever heard. It's going to be the easiest one to memorize. My text tonight comes from the ninth verse. It is simply this, because, because. And the title of this is The Empowered Post-Pandemic Church. The post-pandemic church that God's got an empowered church in this hour. God's raising up a, a powerful work. So we're going to ask the Lord, Lord, touch the Word of God tonight, Lord. Help me to do a good job. And, and Lord, just give us ears to hear. Give us the spirit of understanding, the spirit of revelation. Lord, we thank you for your Word tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I want to start tonight. I've got a story that, um, that uh, goes back to my childhood. And when I was about eight or nine, ten years old, uh, my dad and I would often go fishing. He was an avid fisherman. He loved to fish. And he always owned a nice boat. And sometimes when we would go out on the water, the water would be really rough. There'd be uh, white caps. And, and if you've ever been out on the lake like that, uh, you know how how it gets. It, it's, and the wind, and it's chilly out, and you have to wear a, a wind, um, or, you know, a jacket, or, and you, so you, you're out there on the boat, and uh, it, is, it is really cold, and, and there's the wind and the waves, and, and I looked into the water. I remember, this, this as I was fishing, I was looking into the water, and the, the water was so murky and muddy. And normally the, the lake is really clean. We used to go to Hoover Dam near Columbus. But when a cold front would come in, that lake would just absolutely be almost impossible to fish. And there was a lot of debris in the water. And I looked out and there was beer cans and cans and and uh, sacks and uh, branches and even tree limbs just floating in the water. It just seemed like the water was covered. So I asked my dad, I said, Dad, why, uh, why is it that the, the lake is like this? It's so muddy. And my dad said, well, he said, the lake, when a cold front comes in, he said, what happens is the warm water on the bottom begins to rise, and the cold water on top goes back to the bottom. And he said, when that happens, what it does, it sweeps the bottom of that lake and brings all that debris up. Well, there's a heavy wind and the waves, and they're carrying all this debris across the lake till it gets to the winded side of the lake, and it, and it deposits. Have you ever been to the lake when when you walk along the shore and it's just covered with that white and yellow foam and there's all kinds of debris and if you love to, you know, you can walk along the water and you can find all kinds of fishing tackle and just all kinds of things. And, and, uh, and I've thought of that story several times 
during this pandemic. And I thought, that's exactly the way this pandemic has been. You know, it's just, uh, it's come in like a cold front. It's swept in upon us. And, and, and uh, sometimes you wonder why. But when, when you consider that, uh, you know, some things God is allowing, and, it, and just like the cold front that comes in and sweeps the bottom, the, the, the power of, of God to touch and help us to, to shake us, to awaken us up out of sleep, and to bring us into a place where, where you know, we're, we're, we're different than what we were. We cannot be the same as we were when we came into the pandemic. We've got to, we've got to go on. We've got to move on. Because God is empowering the post-pandemic uh, pandemic church. The church today is going to be much more powerful than what it was before the pandemic. We are in a place where God is moving among us and great things are happening. There's all kinds of, of, of wonderful things that, that are taking place. So during that period of time, during that cold front, it, it is like a trial that we go through. And, and the pandemic's been a long trial. It's, in fact, it's been, what, 15 months uh, since March of 2020. A long time. And the, uh, <clears throat> the, the trial has been so severe for, for many of us. And, you know, you, you just almost have to ask yourself, why, God? Why, why did you allow this to take place? But it's like the lake. Sometimes... Things have to happen and, and, and sweep the bottom of the lake and bring all that debris up at the top. I'm not talking about sin. I'm, I'm, I'm just talking about sometimes we get a little lax. And sometimes we just kind of sit back and God's got to shake us. The Bible said that everything that can be shaken is going to be shaken. And here we are tonight. We've been through a tremendous trial, but trials... When you go through a trial, trials are a valuable thing. I wrote some things down about, the, about a trial. God uses trials to build and grow us. He produces faithful men and women of God through trials. In trials and tests and tough circumstances, God removes impure attitudes and bitterness, the bitter enemy, and selfishness and covetousness from our hearts. He brings through trials. He brings a baptism of holiness and drives us into a deeper relationship with God as nothing else can do. It strengthens our faith. In fact, it doesn't destroy us. It makes us better than what we were before. The Word of God said in 2 Corinthians 4.8, For we are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. Because God is able to take something like a trial, a severe trial, and bring us out much better than what we went into it. And that's what's happening. God is empowering his church. He's going to have a church without spot or wrinkle. It's going to be a church without anything like that. It's going to be a glorious church. And that's what's taking place. God is giving this his seal of approval on this hour. And he wants us to experience one of the greatest glorious revivals that we have ever experienced in our whole entire Christianity experience. He wants a good old-fashioned downpour revival, a good old-fashioned downpour worship. God is moving among us. We are in the empowered 
post-pandemic church. We're seeing things take place. Things are happening. We're seeing a resurgence. We're seeing a regathering, a reestablishing of our mission. We're seeing the church of the living God. There's a building of the momentum. When we think about what God is doing, there's a lot of things we can see. God is doing renewal. He's reviving. He's renewing. He's refreshing. He's pouring out the Spirit of God all over. People are receiving the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Yes, still. And people are being baptized in the wonderful name of Jesus Christ for the remission of their sins. Still. We were on prayer walk the last several weeks. And it seems like everywhere we go, there are people that are receptive. We've, we have not run into anybody so far that has, you know, just object, objected to it or turned us off. It seems like every time it, it was really warm last Saturday, so we drove, then we would see somebody, we would park the car, get out, and walk. And as we would begin to witness to people, people were so open. People were so hungry. The pandemic has caused this. There, there are people that are, are desiring this. And, and it was strange, too, because the Holy Ghost was, was moving with us. And it seemed like that almost everybody we talked to was somehow connected to this church. One young man, he, he, said, uh, he said, well, my dad goes, my dad's been to that church. And I said, who's your dad? And he told me, a man across the street. He was the first person that ever came to this church from prayer walk. He didn't stay long. I think we, we frightened him. But we keep after him. And he's coming back. And it seems like other people that were connected, several of those people that said they, they attended this church. We talked to a young man, the three of us, and we prayed with him. Many people have been to this church long time ago, long time ago. I don't know where they went. But God is dealing with them. We wouldn't show up if God wasn't dealing with them. God is calling backsliders. God is calling people back because God is empowering his church to do and to accomplish a work in these last days like we have never experienced before. I am absolutely, totally convinced that we are in the throes of a glorious revival. It's important for us to realize tonight, and, and if uh, in your Bible, if you'll turn to Mark chapter 9, I, I don't know if they're up there. Uh-huh. Chapter 9, verses 1 through 6. It's important for us to realize that we can never go back. We can never go back to what we were before. We can't be what we were then. Because we're in a different era. We're in a different time. The, in fact, the best is yet to come. The, the greatest glory is yet to be revealed. The kingdom of God is going to come and is coming with power. And this is what Jesus told his disciples. He took three of his disciples, Peter, James, and John, up on the mount. They call it the Mount of Transfiguration. You're all familiar with that story. Then he took them up on the mountain. And his, his face changed until it was like an illuminated light. 
and he, he, they could see the glory of God all over him. In, in verse 1, it says, Verily I say unto you, that there be some of them that stand here which shall not taste of death till they have seen the kingdom of God come with power. Now that's where we are right now because the kingdom of God is coming with power. And after six days, Jesus taketh him, Peter, James, and John, and leadeth them up into a high mountain apart by themselves, and he was transfigured before them. And his raiment became shiny, exceeding white as snow, so that as no fuller on earth can white them. And there appeared unto them Elias and Moses, and they were talking with Jesus. And Peter answered and said to Jesus, Master, is it good for us to be here? And let us make three tabernacles, one for thee, one for Moses, and one for Elias. For wist not, they didn't know what to say. They were so afraid. And you, you know what happened? They could only, they were in, they were at a place where they could see the glory of God. They saw the Lord Jesus Christ just in a glorified state. They saw the, the, the beauty. They saw death turned to life. They saw Elias and Moses, all these things. But you know what they did? They could only do what they were familiar with. They turned back to what they were familiar with in the Old Testament and turned back to the tabernacles. The tabernacles were the shadow of things to come. And God was trying to show them things to come. God was trying to show them the power of the Holy Ghost, the power uh, of a, a New Testament church. But they just, they did what we so often do. They go back to where they've always been. And we can't be, we just can't go back that in that direction. We have to move forward. We have to go forward. It may be uncharted, yes. It, the way may be difficult, yes. The, the journey may be uncertain, yes. Well, uncharted territory, yes, all of that. But God's got this. He's in control of this. And he's guiding us into a tremendous move of the Spirit of God. He is bringing us into revival. It's not something that's in the future. It's happening all over the world right now. Yes, there's a pandemic. And yes, people are dying. And yes, there's all kinds of dis you know, distress and so forth going on in the world. But in spite of that, there is a move of God. Churches are receiving the, hap the power of the Holy Ghost drop just flowing in those churches. Amen. And it's, it's on our way. It's, it's on the way. We're, I know we're building a, a, we're building apostolic legacy here. I believe that with all my heart. But you know, sometimes we just need to reaffirm our commitment. Because revival is here and it is on the way. It's, it's coming. So we need to reaffirm ourselves, you know, as far as our prayer life, as far as our reading the Word and our studying the Word of God and, and our desire and our hunger to, to experience a move of God and experience the power of the Holy Ghost. Amen. We need to reaffirm our commitment to God and our commitment. You say, well, we do that. Absolutely. But, but we're, see, we're moving forward. We're moving into a realm of the, a realm of, of the Holy Ghost where there is uh, absolute revival. 
We're building the foundation of Jesus Christ. That's what we're building. In 1 Corinthians 3 and 11, it's not on the board, but we're building both personally and redemptively. And the foundation of the apostles and prophets, doctrinally and ministerially, we can declare his eternal word is everything I am, everything I have, and everything I believe. We are moving into this era prayerfully, purposefully, passionately, worshipfully, and finally uncompromisingly. Because in Romans 1.16 it said, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. We are moving into glorious things. So we need to go back and just reaffirm, and we need to go back and, and just examine ourselves. 2 Corinthians 13.5 said, Examine yourself and see if you be in the faith. We have to examine our motives and our purpose and our efforts. Why do we go to church? Why do we go to church? I know there's the obvious. We go to church because, because we love God. We, we go to church because we want to hear the Word of God. We go because we've been baptized here. We've been filled with the Holy Ghost. It, we just, you know, we experience all the obvious things. But I sat down one day, and I, I was just studying, and all of a sudden, it just, I started to write down some things of why I go to church. Now, I want you to listen carefully. I know it's a little rough tonight, but I want you to listen carefully. Why do I go to church? And, and I wrote several things down, and, and maybe if you've got things you, you can add to this list or your list of why you go to church. It's time to reaffirm. It's time to recommit. It's time to rededicate. It's time to reconsecrate. It's time to get moving with what God is doing in this hour. So, why do I go to church besides the obvious? So I can grow in mature and spiritual adulthood. So I can see spiritual things more clearly to gain strength in our personal struggles, trials, and temptations, to labor together for the good of the whole as a viable part of the community of faith, the family of God, to be a part of brothers and sisters in the Lord, as a creative expression of our faith, that we can live our lives in a manner that's pleasing to God. It's where I where I give, not escort, or escort. I, I, I give, I don't escort my tithe, my missions, my offerings. It is an act of public thanksgiving. It is to hear the testimonies of victories and how others were successful in overcoming so I can be overcoming, so you can be overcoming, to gain strength to defeat the destroyer, to learn from those who have been through the battles, the battle strategies, and the power to overcome the wicked one. Why do we go to church? To remind each other of who and whose we are. Why do we go to church? To partake of the joy and the glory of fellowship. That's why we go to church. It's so much different. I know that there, there may be some here tonight that maybe you've lost your joy. Maybe the church doesn't really grasp or grip a hold of your heart. And, and I've been in those places, you know, where, you, where it just seems like you're in the valley. And, and life is full of hills and valleys. And, and they're there. But tonight, 
God can speak to your heart. If you find yourself in that place, and as I said, I'm not pulpit pounding. It, it's, it's, we, we all go through that. But God, that's all you have to do is ask him. Yeah. And God will refill you with the joy of the Holy Ghost. God will put the desire back in your heart. You will feel the joy unspeakable and full of glory and feel the love of God. And I'll tell you what, it'll get to the point where you're looking at the clock at 3 o'clock in the afternoon, and maybe you even want to turn the clock up a little bit because you want to get to the house of God. You can't wait to get there. You're so excited, so thrilled with what God's going to do. And that's the way it seems right now, for me anyway. It just seems like I, I can't wait to get to church. I can't wait to be with the people of God. I can't wait to experience the songs and the worship and the praise and the loving and the honoring God. All these things because... You know, and, and I feel for, for, for those that have been through that where they don't experience that, that God is able to help you. Simply ask him. Say, Lord, I repent of my lacks. I, I repent of my lack of desire. Lord, just fill me overflowing with the joy from the top of my head to the soles of my feet. Fill me with the joy of the Lord so I can experience those wonders of, that God has provided for each one of us. You say, Brother Rogers, why? Because. Because we're the people of God. Why? Because we've got the Holy Ghost. Why? Because we come to the house of God and we can do so much, not only for ourselves, but for each other. Amen. When we bind together, the, the, the power of the Holy Ghost, when, when somebody comes up to pray, and, and all of a sudden, you look, and the whole area is just covered with people. People, as I've said before, people that are exercising compassion, exercising mercy, exercising the love for that brother or sister that's going through the trial. That's, that's the way church is. It's so powerful in that, in that respect. Amen. In the book, we're going back to uh, Psalms 91.9. In that psalm, how many have read the 91st psalm? How many know what it is? He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge. In, I, in Him will I trust. And, and it continues on. And it's such a powerful, powerful psalm, especially in this time, this time that we've been through, the trial. It is the iconic psalm of our pandemic. It's been the one that, whether you're a Christian or a non-Christian, that people have referred to the 91st Psalm. They've looked back at that because there are so many promises in that book. There are 24 individual promises in the 91st Psalm, but they're conditional. They're powerful. But it can be the iconic psalm not only for the pre-pandemic or the pandemic, but the post-pandemic. It's still just as powerful today as it was during the pandemic. And I think we're, we're for, at least for Ohio, at least for this area, we're, we're, I think we've 
we're receding. It's receding. So, and, and I got to looking at this, and, uh, and it's something I wanted to share with you. If you've got your Bible, in verse 10, there, there is a, a verse of Scripture in there that really threw me. Because I've, been, I've read this about 400 times since we started in 2020. I read it every day. I read it out loud. I, I lay hold. I pray this, this psalm because it's so powerful. I've, I feel protected by the Word of God. Not superstitious, but I feel protected by the Word of God. But there was one verse in this that really troubled me, and that is verse 10. Because it said, There shall no evil befall thee, neither shall any plague come nigh thy dwelling. Well, that was fine, and I grasped a hold of that and prayed that every single day until October of 2020 when the whole bunch of us fell. And I was praying this as a church. When I, I changed the pronouns to this when I prayed this psalm. Instead of saying I or me, I was saying all of us. And in October of 2020, my wife came down sick. I came down sick. And many of you the, the same way. And, and it really threw me because I, I thought by faith, I am really trying to hang on to this psalm. But, and it said that no evil shall befall me, neither shall any plague come nigh my dwelling. Wow, I thought, I, you know, I didn't blame God, but I thought, I missed it somewhere. There's somewhere in my life that I'm not trusting the Holy Ghost. And that went for a long time, and finally I decided, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look at that. I'm going to take a closer look at that, song, that verse and really find out what it's saying. Because I know that, that God would answer my prayer. And so as I was reading that, there shall no evil befall me, neither shall any plague come nigh my dwelling. I looked up the word evil. And, the, you know, when we think of evil, we think like, hmm, witchcraft or, you know, some major sin. You, you understand what I'm saying when it comes to evil. But evil there in that verse means bad. And it means adversity, affliction, calamity, distress, and all of its synonyms. That even made it worse. Because now I'm saying, Lord, I've experienced all of those things. And you said, no evil shall befall me. That really threw me until I looked up the word befall. And, and that's an extremely powerful word. And it means through the idea of contraction. And what, it, what it's saying there, that, it, it, that it, when we go through a trial or we go through experience things like the pandemic or even death, or whatever it may be, that what it's saying there is not that those things are not going to happen to us. They're common to all of us. We all go through adversity. We all go through distress. We all go through grief. All these things are common to man. But what it's saying there, when you trust in God, when you put your trust in the Almighty, then He keeps you 
to a place where you're not crushed, where you're not shrinking up, where you're not shriveling up. It doesn't overwhelm you. It doesn't control you. It doesn't take possession of your life. You can, you can go through the trial and you may feel distress, but it's not going to destroy you. It's not going to tear you down because you're trusting in the Almighty God. And that's the power of this, of this verse. And that really threw me until I read that and understood what he was saying there. That no evil shall befall me. In other words, no evil, no matter what it is, is going to destroy me because, I, because I'm trusting in the living God, just like you are. You're trusting in the Almighty God that He is able to bring you through and able to deliver you and set you free. Why? Because He's a deliverer. When you read this psalm, and we've been through some trials. But when you read this psalm, three different places, he said, I will deliver you. In verse 3, verse 14, and verse 15, he said, I will deliver you. Well, I, look, I looked that up because when you see three, I've got a broken finger, threes, the old uh, Hebrew scholars would say, when you see three things in a verse or three things in a context that you need, you need to look at it closer. You know, like uh, Revelation chapter uh, 1 uh, or chapter 1 uh, begins talking about, I think in verse 2 or 3, it talks about reading, hearing, and keeping. Three things. Then it also says, um, which is, which was, and which is to come. And this, this old scholar said, Hebrew scholar said, that when you see those things, what it means is to re receive light at its fullest extent. To receive light at its fullest extent. In other words, God wants to show you something. God wants to bring a, a revelation out of that. And so even in this, I, I thought I used that principle here. And I, I, I saw that word deliverance three different times. So I looked into concordance, of course, and three different words, three different Hebrew words. And each one of those words, three and three and 14 and 15, was a different kind of deliverance that God accomplishes in us. Listen to this. The first deliverance was from he said, from the snare of the fowler in verse 3. And the word deliverance there means he will snatch you out of the jaws of death. The second one was to slip out or to escape. They took Jesus up on this mountain, this hill, and they were going to toss him over headlong. And you know what he did? Quietly and softly, he just walked through the crowd and disappeared from their sight. And God will do that for us. That's the promise here. The third one was to pull off in spite of difficulties. And it means to equip us for fight. In other words, if we're going to fight, God's going to equip us. And do you know what? There, that we are the most powerful, 
creatures on planet Earth. I want you to listen to something. There are all kinds of bugs and all kinds of birds and all kinds of creatures out there, and they have all kinds of de defense. A rabbit will just sit still, won't even move, and he'll almost disappear into his environment. There, there are bugs. I had a missionary come to our house one time, stayed with us over Thanksgiving, and he, he brought in a box. I think the kids were just like preteens, and he brought a big box, and he took out a beetle that was about this big, and he took out a snakeskin and stretched it all the way from the front door clear into the dining room. All these different creatures that he had in, you know, they had spiders and all that, they, were, they weren't alive. <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> but the kids, they, they were so excited about that. They just loved that. They, they thought that was, they thought he was the coolest, coolest missionary that ever came. And all these creatures, they have all this the ability of defense. But you think about, you have the Holy Ghost. And you have the Word of God inside of you. And you have the blood of Jesus. And you have prayer. And you have each other. And you have the power of, of the love of God. You have a pastor and, and other ministries in the church. And when you put all that together and couple all that together, you know what it makes us? The most powerful people on planet Earth. The most powerful creatures on planet Earth. And if we experience that... Why did we back off? Why did we back up? Why are we afraid? Why did we back down so easily when, when the devil comes our direction? Why did we just kind of contract? Because the devil has lied to us. He tells us that we have no power, but we are the most powerful creatures on planet Earth. The devil is, you know, we, we love to see the devil... The, the Bible, it gives you the, uh, a principle that works every time. The Bible said when it comes to the devil, it says, resist the devil. Submit yourself, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he shall flee from you. Then it says, draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. That's, that's powerful. And in this post-pandemic revival, in this post-pandemic era, then we need to realize who we are. And we're not going to back down from the enemy. We're not going to back down in situations because we are God's people. Three different times he used the word because. He said because, and that was our, our text. How many memorized that text? <laughs> because. Because I have made the Lord, verse 9, the Lord, which is my refuge, even the Most High, my habitation. Not visitation. Hello? He's not a visit. We're, we're, we're not visitors. It's habitation in the kingdom of God. We, we dwell there. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. So the first because that God will allow these 24 promises and all these wonders in, in the 91st Psalm is because we trust in God. The second one is found in verse 14. And, and I'll start with the second one. He 
Be, when, and this is the Lord speaking here from 14, 15, 16. It's the Lord speaking. And the Lord said, because he has known my name. How many know what his name is? But you know, knowing the name is more than just, well, I know what his name is. It's, it's Jesus. But knowing his name is knowing about the name. That he's your rock. That he's your healer. That he's your strength. And when you go through a trial and a tribulation or whatever it is, a test, when you acknowledge God, when you acknowledge the Lord Jesus Christ going in and through that trial, then it increases your faith. It increases your faith. Philemon 6 said that the communication or partnership of your faith may become effectual. Effectual faith, faith that works by the acknowledging of all good things in us in Christ Jesus. That's, that's powerful in itself because when we ex experience that, oh my, the Spirit of the Lord, the power of the Holy Ghost, then three times, and then it said, and here's, here's where we're going tonight, and we're going to be closed. We've got about five minutes. In this 14th verse, it said, because he has set his love upon me. Would you say that with me? This is the Lord speaking. Because he has set his love upon me. If you want to know what the pivotal is, if you want to know what the answer is, if you want to know that, that if an experience revival in your own life, then this is the answer. This is the answer. Because in that is incorporated everything else, that I have set my love upon him. The Lord said, all these promises, it's conditional. All these promises I will give to you. I will make sure that you're protected. I'll make sure I'll put you underneath the feathers. I'll put you under the shadow of the Almighty. If you set your love upon me, it'll make, it makes such a difference. I'm going to tell you in the... The human heart, sometimes they have to pump it to get it restarted. And sometimes the spiritual heart needs to be restarted too. But there's a little appendix on the spiritual heart of man. And that little appendix is called a reset button. And... I have found something to help, that really helped me during the pandemic, and it really helped me after the loss of my wife and so forth, that every morning that I would get up and I would read this out loud and, and I would lay hold of these promises of God, and each morning I would read that. Sometimes I would just weep almost uncontrollably because I, you could feel the presence and the power of God sweep in the moment that you you would begin to pray. And you, the moment that you would begin to set your love upon him. And what I would do is because on Sunday you'd be feeling the Holy Ghost. You'd be shouting, having a good time. You wake up Monday morning and sometimes it's not there. You know, it's just, it's not there. And you have to start over again. So I, I take my finger. I know this sounds crazy, but take my finger. And I put it right there over the top of my sternum, 
where my heart is. Kind of as a representation of, of my spiritual heart. And I push the reset button. And I reset each morning my love upon him. I cannot tell you the experiences that, that I've had in the Holy Ghost just by doing that. It just seems like the day goes so, just so smooth. It just seems like troubles vanish. It just seems like, wow, you know, you, you, I know you, you begin to pray, God lead me, guide me, direct my steps, and, and let me be led by the Holy Ghost and all those things. But there's something that happens when you set your love upon him. It makes all the difference in the world. Tonight, if you've lost your desire for the house of God, or maybe you've lost your desire to, for worship and, and just different things that, that have happened in your life, maybe circumstances, whatever it may be. If you'll just take your finger and you'll press it into your chest and say, Lord, I press the reset button of my heart and I promise you that you will begin to sense and feel the presence and the power and the love of God like you've never experienced before. There's a song, and I'm closing, but there's a song that one, it's been one of my favorite songs. It's called In the Garden. How many, how many don't know it? <laughs> it's easier to say because it's such a famous song. It was written by C. Austin Miles in 1912 or 13. And according to, you know, when I, when I think of that song, I always think, of somebody that goes out into the garden. And in the garden, they're walking early in the morning and they're just worshiping and loving and thinking about God and setting their love upon him. And the dew is still on the roses. That's what it said. I, I come to the garden. How's that start? I come, to, I come to the garden alone while the dew is still on the roses. And the voice I hear falling on my ear the Son of God discloses. The word disclose there means the unknown, the secrets. And I always thought that it was this woman that, or I don't know why I pictured a woman, but she's, maybe because of my wife, but she'd walking in there just worshiping and loving God, setting his love upon him, setting her love upon him. Then I found out in studying this song that this song was written in an old, leaky, damp, wet basement with no windows. The man that wrote this song, he didn't even have a garden. I was so disappointed when I read that. And then I read a little further on and it said, but actually, this, this song is written based on John chapter 20. I think it's verse 14. Where Mary Magdalene came to the garden alone. And she came to the garden, and she saw the garden. She looked in the tomb first, and the tomb was empty. You think she'd been excited the tomb was empty. But she saw someone there, a man, that was, that was just 
She thought it was the gardener. And she says, what, what have you done with the body? What have you done with, with my master? And you know, he said one word. When she turned, he said, Mary. She didn't recognize who it was. She didn't know who it was. But immediately she responded with Rabboni, which is to say, Master. In that moment, God revealed himself to her through one word, a secret. And that's where, that's where real revelation comes from. Real revelation doesn't come from just study, and knowledge does not bring relationship. Knowledge, you can have all the knowledge in the world, and you can be 28 miles wide and 4 inches deep. But what really brings the revelation of God, what really brings the presence of God into your life, is that Spirit of the Lord. I was in the garden, and that voice fell on my ear. And God revealed himself. The revelation of God is given to us through revelation. Through relationship is what I meant. Mary Magdalene encountered Jesus at the garden tomb. And the Son of God disclosed, made known to her the secret. Seems like maybe the Lord actually reset her heart for her. What a, what a powerful thing. If you want to know Him today, if you really want to know Him, if you really want to experience the love, the power of the Holy Ghost and the presence of God, relationship. Even through the trial that you've been through, relationship keeps you. It brings you through. It'll bring you out. And sometimes it'll deliver you. God brings different types of deliverance. Isn't God good?